Yeah, so if you weren't uh, with us last Sunday um, on Spotify or other sources, you can get the podcast and listen to it as an introduction. Uh, we read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and also cityharborchurch.com slash messages where you can download or stream the audio, but also see the notes. And I make mention of that because today, uh, I've actually, turn this down a little bit, please, um, prepared a lot of Bible study for you, and I'm not going to go through it all in our time together. I think it'd be counterproductive, but it will be on the website, so don't feel like you have to jot down every reference. But I think there's some things that are very important for us and so over these next few weeks, we're going to be walking through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And last Sunday, I handed out um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, in the um, NCV. Um, and I found it to be really helpful in that translation, NCV and the CSV, uh, which is the new version of the, the Holman Bible. Uh, and we walked through some context. We walked through some background. Uh, for these passages and what they mean and, 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 and what it, how it works together in its, in its full context. And I think that that's important uh, for us because there's been a lot of the verses in these chapters that have been lifted out of context to mean things that they didn't mean to the people who first read them. Uh, and so it's important for us to get a sense um, of this. So we're, we're just giving a title to this, and I think it's actually faithful, even though it's a little bit silly, in our look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is one spirit, many superpowers. One spirit, uh, many superpowers. And it, clearly what we get is this sense that the Holy Spirit gives us special abilities that help us strengthen our spiritual family and participate in the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what's being written about here. There's one Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who gives these good gifts. So as we start this morning, let's just look at a few of the verses, verses 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but they all are from the same Spirit. You see this on the screen this morning. There are different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. There are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. Now, it's important to remember, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in response to the letters from this Corinthian local church. This isn't just an open letter to everyone. It, Paul knew them. We see the start of the story in Acts chapter 18. And there's some context to this. There's some understanding. So not everything is explained. But it's also a reminder of, hey, what's the most important stuff in all of this? And he starts chapter 12 with, I don't want you to be ignorant about it. I don't want there to be misunderstanding about the gifts of the Spirit. Because there were things happening in their meetings, and it was getting confusing. This is in response to this. So he's saying, but listen, there's one Holy Spirit who gives each gift to each part of the body and is bringing us together. So there is unity in diversity. So part of what's being said to Jesus followers who are part of a local church, a spiritual community. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person for the common good. Their common good has this purpose of the cause of Christ. Now let's go forward to verse 8. 
The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom. The same Spirit gives another person the ability to speak with knowledge. We looked at those last week. The same Spirit gives faith to one person. And to another one, Spirit gives gifts of healing. And the Spirit gives to another person the power to do miracles. So this morning, in the next half hour, we're going to look at faith, healing, and miracles. Sound good? Faith. Say faith. Faith. Faith, Healing. Healing. And miracles. Okay? Now, faith. This word in the scripture, here's what it means. You see a definition on the screen. To believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. The Greek word that's used here, that's what that means. It's to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Now, maybe you got distracted by the trailers for a new Indiana Jones movie this summer, and so you've been thinking, which ones have I seen and not seen? Spoiler alert, I want to talk about a step of faith. (laughs) A leap of faith. One of the movies you see, Indiana Jones, is he's trying to pursue the prize, right? This archaeological find, and unlike any archaeologist ever known to man, is on this adventure. He comes in this cavern to this point where the path ends, and there is a chasm before him. And it looks impassable. And he's following the words where there's been some guidance about how to get to where you need to go. And these words include this idea of a leap of faith, taking a step of faith. Faith is this word that gets abused, misused, misunderstood, different things associated with that have come about through immaturity, lack of understanding, carnality mixed in with Christianity that has been caused people to misunderstand what faith means. It does not mean faith is a gift given to the people who are the loudest. Sometimes the people who are the loudest are the ones who are the most insecure. Faith is an action word. It's, it's actually a word that involves three quick things I want to give you a sense of. God gives an ability for you to see what he wants you to see. There is a path forward. And I perceive it. God gives the gift of seeing, spiritual perception. And God gives the gift of you having the ability to choose to agree. To agree with God. To come into alignment. To say, okay, God, your way is best. We get from Isaiah, right? Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I can see it. I agree with it. And I take action. You you can't get an understanding of what they meant by the word faith in Scripture without all three components. I see what God wants me to see. I agree with what God, the direction God is leading me, what God is doing, the initiation of God, and I take action. I take a step of faith. We, We have the old analogy of somebody who's afraid of flying. And faith is you getting on the plane and staying on the plane after they close the door. That's faith. And it's important for us to understand that faith in the whole context of this letter is actually a gift that is given to each believer first. Let me explain this from a Christian point of view. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. 
God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. The miracle of salvation does not occur just based on your decision. It occurs with the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the enabling, the ability. Though God the Holy Spirit, if we were to unpack all the verses in the Bible about salvation, you absolutely would come away with the fact that God's doing most of the work, that God has accomplished it, that God has made the way forward, but also that God the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to choose. It comes by grace. It's a free gift that you don't deserve. But it's this decision to say, Jesus is my Savior. It's God the Holy Spirit that gives you the gift of the ability to believe that. To see Jesus as Savior, to agree that Jesus is Savior, and to take action to confess your belief that Jesus is Savior. You absolutely cannot study the Scripture and not come away with this idea. So it is the one gift that's listed that is given to everybody. The gift of faith. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift of faith. You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, leading you before you cross the line of faith. Before you receive salvation. It's a gift. Jesus talks about God as a Father who gives good gifts. This is a concept that's very rich in Scripture. I want to go to, in the NCV this time, the conversation that Jesus is having with the spiritual teacher Nicodemus and talking about the truth of salvation. God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him may not be lost but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world guilty but to save the world through Him. People who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty. Those who do not believe have already been judged guilty because they've not believed in God's one and only Son. They are judged by this fact. Watch this. The light has come into the world, but they did not want the light. They wanted darkness because they were doing evil things. All who do evil hate the light and will not come to the light because it will show all the evil things they do. But those who follow the true way Come to the light. Who is Jesus? The way, the truth, and the life? The light. The light and the darkness. And it shows that the things they do were done through God. If you really study this teaching from Jesus, He talks about the miracle, the mystery of salvation, and a cooperation that we have with God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in this teaching, in this conversation with Nicodemus. This is where we get the free that Jesus says, what is the Holy Spirit? It's like the wind. There's a mystery, but the mystery includes the Holy Spirit initiates and we respond. So this gift of faith. But clearly what we see in this belief to the extent of complete trust and reliance that in the the grammar, in the context of everything that's taught in this passage, that it is something beyond that that is also being written about. And I, I found this quote from about 300 years after Jesus walked the earth from Cyril of Jerusalem that refers to this very beautifully, better than I could say it, and in align with what the scholars write about this gift of faith. This faith... He's writing about this passage. This faith, which is given by the Spirit as a grace, is not just doctrinal faith, 
but a faith which empowers activities surpassing human nature. A faith which moves mountains. For just as mustard seed is of little bulk, but of explosive energy, taking a trifling space for its planting and then sending out great branches all around so that when it is grown, it can give shelter to the birds. So in like manner, the faith present in one's own soul achieves the greatest things by the most summary decision. For such a one places the thought of God before his mind and as enlightenment of faith permits it, beholds God. His mind also ranges through the world from end to end. And with the end of this age not yet come, beholds the judgment already and the bestowal of the promised rewards. Cyril is writing about a great faith. We can't, don't believe the lie that there's no such thing as spiritual growth and that we shouldn't desire gifts. This chapter says we should desire gifts. One of those gifts is the gift of faith which you have already received as a Jesus follower, and a faith that can grow. And clearly we need it because watch what Jesus says, John 14, 12. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. What? And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Whoa, Jesus teaches some wild stuff, extraordinary, supernatural stuff. Some of us have already started summer reading. I highly recommend a small book written by Andrew Murray called With Christ in the School of Prayer, which goes deep into the questions we would have about this passage. Faith is a gift. We receive the gracious gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. We respond to God with wholehearted devotion. As a result, we learn who God is and who we are. We receive from God our identity, value, and purpose. We believe what God has said. We rely on God completely. So we trust God. We follow God's guidance. We live in alignment with God's instruction. We take faith-filled action for the cause of Christ. That's how we can live in gracious humility how we can see, how we can agree, how we can act. The last three years, for many of us, have brought about circumstances that have felt like a slap in the face, and then another, and then another. Circumstances beyond our control. Defeat, discouragement, difficulty, Lamentable circumstances and disunity. And you may be here this morning and I'm talking about the gift of faith and your faith is bruised. Damaged. Discouraged. This is not the moment to feel ashamed and withdraw if that's you. Let's pray right now and invite the Holy Spirit to bring healing to your faith. Come on, let's pray. Right now, if that's you and you know it, just identify your need between you and God for a healing to your bruised faith. God, over these past number of years, we have seen things we had not seen before in our lifetime. We've faced difficulties as humanity. We've faced challenges as believers. 
We've seen what looked like you were not alive, not active. We have not been able to understand some of the death, some of the disease, the virus, the politics, the, the, the frustration, the discouragement, circumstances in our own lives. But God, today, like the followers of Jesus, we come to you here and now. We say, Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. We come to you honestly saying our faith has been bruised. It has been damaged. It has been discouraged. And we invite you and we say, Holy Spirit, make new our thinking and our feeling. Holy Spirit, bring healing to our faith, bring strength, bring new life. We welcome what you have for us in our faith. Let us not withdraw and keep private what we're feeling and thinking about these things. Let us come to you openly, transparently, share with the community and be strengthened as a result. We thank you, God, for what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, amen. We look at the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. Last Sunday, we talked about gifts of communication. This morning's three gifts are gifts of participation. What you actually see is that God is already at work, and it's an invitation for us to participate. In the gift of faith, in the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles, if you read the stories of the scripture, and I'm going to have the notes for you where you can look at the stories and read them, think about it. God has already done the heavy lifting. God is already doing something that's in alignment with his purpose, that's in alignment with his plan, in the cause of Christ, and he gives us an invitation to participate in what he's already doing. That's how we don't end up with a culture of celebrities. The person, the chapter 12 is not saying, it's very clearly saying the person with the gift is not more spiritual than someone else. It's very clearly saying we are all the same and that we receive gifts from the Spirit. It's celebrity culture is not of Jesus. Hello? Right? But what we do see is this invitation to gifts of participation. Faith, healing, and miracles. That's what's really at work here. Now, healing, well, God works a miracle, and this is the one gift that's actually, this word is written in plural, gifts. And scholars really say, listen, this is an indication that people who have a healing ministry, I don't know if that's the best way to define it. A great way to define it is that God does miracles of healing multiple times and God has given that person a faith for healing and an understanding of it and the principle of the laying on of hands, a principle of healing, or like Paul is sending handkerchiefs around, whatever it is, but there is a gift for this activity. But in all of it, remember, it's a gift of participation. So God is at work, works a miracle of repair, restoration, and new strength in a person. If God is almighty and God is all-knowing, then there's no doctor in humanity that knows the human body better than God. Regardless of how we view creation, clearly God is a God of intelligent design. Hello? And what I have definitely learned in the past year, one year now to this week from my illness, is that if you can get the body's systems working as they should, healing can happen. And God can do a miracle of healing. We get tons of examples of this. And what we see is Jesus healing people who could not walk from birth. And then what happens? Peter and John and Paul heal people who could not walk from birth. 
And we see Jesus, particularly in the miracle of healing somebody who could not see, uses different methods. Sometimes mud is involved, sometimes not mud. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> sometimes Jesus even prays more than once. Which is why when I need healing, I receive prayer more than once. Look at the, the, the stories on the screen. There's many, many stories about this. We've got to move on. It's clear when you read Scripture that the, in the kingdom of God, when God is at work, and then Jesus taught that, this is essentially a part of the kingdom of God, faith, healing, and miracles. Jesus taught that those three are essentially, like, if, if we think about the kingdom of God as having a seed, faith, healing, and miracles are in the seed. It's all throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus also teaches that it's an essential proof of his identity. And when he quotes Isaiah 61, which you see on the screen, it's referencing that the year of the Lord, the kingdom of God. What happens if the spirit of the Lord is upon me? Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, the whole of the person. There's medical proof that when you're brokenhearted, physical maladies occur. There's actually brokenhearted syndrome. A person can die of a broken heart. Medical studies have been done on this. Jesus said, I am the one God has sent to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. There's faith, healing, and miracles in the kingdom of God. Look at all the verses on the screen. I'm going to have them in the notes for you. Look them up. Old Testament and New. The kingdom of God comes with faith, healing, and miracles. It's in the sea. It's essential. And it did not stop. God is alive and at work today. In faith, in healing, and miracles. I have a friend who has, on more than one occasion in the streets of Baltimore, prayed for someone who had been shot and saw the bullets fall out of the body. Picked up the bullets off the ground. Sent the person back to their doctor for x-rays and MRIs to prove the healing miracle was real. There are documented medical miracles in Baltimore. In my own body, when prayer was ramped up, the healing process was initiated. Healing is a part of God's will. Let me read you a story. On November 30th, 2001, Daniel Akechuku is driving to deliver a Christmas gift to his father's village in Nigeria. The brakes failed. The car struck a stone pillar and Daniel was critically injured, suffering trauma to his chest and neck at the minimum. He, he, he was taken to the nearest hospital. It looked very much like he was going to die and he asked his wife and the doctors to allow him to be transported to his doctor's hospital. They said, that's a bad idea. 
You, you, you are most likely to die and any transportation is going to increase the risk of your death. They released him on his own will and they started to, they sent him in an ambulance. And in the ambulance with his wife riding in the ambulance, they drove to the St. Eunice Clinic and he died in transit. The doctors there, two different doctors there pronounced him dead. They sent him to their room for examination of the dead for the mortician. The mortician came and certified his death just before midnight on November 30th. His family starts to prepare for the services for his death. His father comes. His wife goes and gets family, get his children. And his wife believed that God wanted to do a miracle. And so on December 2nd, now remember he died before midnight on November 30th. On December 2nd, they got permission from the hospital to take his body in a casket, in, an, in the suit for the funeral, in an ambulance to a meeting where Reinhard Bonnke was at a large church. Now, because of the size of this meeting, the federal government of Nigeria and the state government of that area had police um, and what's truly military guards around the place. And they thought that this was strange, this casket showing up. And so they opened the casket and they also confirmed he was dead. Two doctors, their team, the mortician, his assistant, two different ambulance teams, their driver, and these federal and state security guards, they all confirmed he is dead. The people at the church, not sure what to do now on December 2nd, the third day. They bring him out of the casket and they carry his body, which is stiff and they described as feeling like a dead fish. And they laid him on tables in the youth room in the lower level of the church. There's prayer going on, his wife is there, she's praying. Some people are praying, some people are not praying. The meeting is going on upstairs. All of a sudden, the two ministry leaders in the room start to notice that he started breathing. And they say in the interview, which you can watch on YouTube, so we thought it'd be a good idea to start praying. <laughs> now his body is still stiff, cold, rigid from these days of death. But he's breathing, and you can watch the video of it. He's breathing. And so they're praying, and they're singing, and they're praying. And these two young ministers said, oh, let's, let's start to massage his hands. So they pick up his cold hands, they start to massage his hands, and they feel the life coming into his hands. They start to massage his neck, and they feel his, his muscles start to loosen after being so rigid and so cold and people are crowding into the room and one of the person people that person that comes into the room screams and Daniel jumps up off the table alive one of the guys praying for him grabs him holds him and at this point they're afraid of getting trampled by the crowd and it's so crowded they're worried about his breathing and so they take him up into the sanctuary of the church where they continued to pray for him I mean and he's still just in the undies and you see the effect of the trauma he immediately asks for his wife asks for his family later he would talk about how angels took him 
into the heavenlies. Healing miracles and the resurrection of the dead still happen. Let's pray. You need a healing miracle in your body today. God, we believe that you know better than anyone else the human body, what needs to happen, what should happen. In our whole person, in our spirit, in our mind, will, and emotions, in our decision making, in our physical bodies. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, there are people who are missing teeth, that teeth would appear. There are people whose spinal columns are racked with inflammation, the inflammation would disappear. God, that you would do a creative miracle in the name of Jesus. There's no body here that belongs to us or our enemy. It belongs to you. We speak the victory in Jesus. We speak life in the name of Jesus. Just like you said and your followers said, get up and walk. We say life, strength, no more pain, no more discomfort, strength where there is weakness, no more inflammation. New muscle, new ligament, new tendon, a repair to nerves. God, we ask in the name of Jesus for healing. God, today, we ask that you would fill us with faith for it. You would open our spiritual eyes to see the people that are around us every day who need healing. Lord, give us the wisdom to invite you into their lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith, the gift, the spiritual gift of faith, the spiritual gift of healing, the spiritual gift of miracles. These are gifts of participation. Miracles. Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus and his transfiguration are there with Moses and Elijah who were known for miracles of all sorts. Water coming out of rocks. Rivers being parted. Elijah's follower Elisha lifts an axe head out of the bottom of the river. All kinds of miracles. What's in the seed of the kingdom of God, what was a part of the ministry of Jesus, what's a part of the ministry of the followers of Jesus, then and now is miracles of all sorts. Sometimes to shut the eyes of somebody who's causing a problem, the mouth of somebody who's causing a problem, those miracles are in the Bible too. I have a, a friend in the city who's a police officer who's called into a house where there was violence, gun violence. He goes into the room, the person in the room shoots at him point blank from me, from Gideon to me, and not a bullet hit him. There are all kinds of miracles that occur. They occur all the time. We need to tell the stories. And one of the miracles that occurs that you cannot read the story of the life of Christ or the life of the followers of Jesus is when people are freed from the influence of evil spirits. If you are going to write a list of five things that are in all the stories, one is deliverance from demons. And make no mistake, God is alive and at work, and our enemy is alive and at work. And in this neighborhood particularly, where in this neighborhood there's animal sacrifice, there are people who are involved in these things. Listen, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And the half-brother of Jesus who came to faith in Jesus said, if you resist the enemy, he will flee. 
We are not to be afraid of any evil spirit. And when a person is racked, tormented with an evil spirit, it's time for us to bring the presence of Jesus into the room and some deliverance. This is a gift. A gift of miracles. It does not rely on how hard it is for you to come to grips with it. It does not rely on your complete comprehension. It does not rely on your emotions. It's the power of the living God that does the heavy lifting. Do you agree? It's the power of God who does miracles. Many, many miracles, raising the dead. I want to, let's have a pause for you to ask yourself, what is the miracle that God wants to do? You think about your home, your place of work, your school, your neighborhood. Baltimore City. They're surrounded, surrounded by things that without God are impossible. This is a target-rich environment for miracles. Hello? What is the miracle that God wants to do? Don't stop short of writing it down because you can't believe for it. It doesn't rely on you. It's not dependent on you. If it's not impossible and then it happens, it's not a miracle. We need to be specific. Write down the specific. What is the specific miracle? What is the specific thing that would need to happen for it to be a miracle? And then what did Jesus invite his followers to do? To pray without ceasing. To pray with persistence. To pray like the woman seeking justice from the judge. Constantly, 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 constantly. Jesus said, don't give up. That's a decision. It's not based on your emotion. If you don't think it's impossible, it's not faith. Receive the gift of faith. Say, God, by your ability, I choose to believe that something impossible can happen. Uh, Allow me to just give us a quick lesson. God gives faith, God responds to faith, and God calls for faith. We see these things in Scripture very clearly. God gives faith, God responds to faith, and God calls for faith. Now, if you want to know practically, what can I do to see faith strengthened? Well, obviously asking God for help helps. See the followers of Jesus who prayed, right? God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. But here's another principle that you see on the screen about the scripture, the things that we see on these principles in the Bible. How do we engage the Bible? To engage what we see as an unanswered prayer. How do we engage? Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians has a lot for us to ask. Who, what, where, when, how, why. And we will not become more full of life, more full of peace and joy, if we don't engage those things. So here's how I can engage with the Bible to see an increase in my faith. Hearing the scripture initiates faith. The Holy Spirit anoints it. This is a biblical principle. And and, in these notes today, I'm giving you lots of scripture. Hearing it, you know, the the Bible app is free on all smartphones, and you can have it speak the Bible to you. 
hear the Scripture initiates faith. Speaking the Scripture, you memorize it, you get it into yourself, and then you speak it. Speaking the Scripture activates faith. We use our mouths for lots of things that maybe things they shouldn't use them for. We have one mouth, two ears. Speak the Scripture and let yourself hear it. I said to myself, self, God is like this. God said this. This might seem impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Jesus said it. Hearing the Scripture initiates. Speaking the Scripture activates. Doing the Scripture demonstrates faith. See, agree, and act. Engage the Scripture as a way of engaging what seems impossible. Is this helpful? All right. So obviously, just like we said last week, what should we do? Read 1 Corinthians 12, for starters, 12, 13, and 14. Pray about it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through it. Ask questions about what you're reading, about what you're thinking. And share the journey. Talk with other people in the church about it. Why don't we close in prayer? Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. The way of salvation. A miracle. Thank you, God, for sending the Holy Spirit who gives the gift of faith. Thank you, God. You've given us so much. You do the heavy lifting. Open our spiritual eyes to the truth. Lift our spirits with faith. Give us courage, boldness through the Holy Spirit that as we lean into you, as we seek to increase our awareness of you, that our spirits would rise with you. We would receive gifts of faith, of healing, of miracles. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. But take a minute to uh, love on somebody as you go. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.